0: My name is Mark Donnelly, and I'm solo here today. So my cohort in crime, Carrie Waddell, you know, she has the Mother's Day weekend off. So I'm going to need a little help from my friends to get through today's show. What a week. I don't need to read you or the bad headlines the staggering jobs report everybody knows 33 million unemployed filed claims in the last seven weeks Ohio over a million in that time frame just 61,000 last week um jobs report 20.5 million non-farm payrolls hmm It's no surprise, because we saw the jobless claims, but it sure is staggering. So, we got here Mike DeWine.
1: For the next two months, we have decided to make cuts, uh, which will enable us to balance the budget for the next two months. And I'll explain this in more detail in a moment. But simply stated, we are going to need that money that rainy day fund uh, for next year uh, and possibly for the year after. The cruel nature of an economic downturn uh, is that at the time when you are in need of the social safety net, it's also the time when government revenues shrink. Uh, We're trying to preserve basic services for people while we get through this period one of the things that we're going to try to achieve uh, is some stability. Let me, again, return to the rainy day fund, because I know we've received a lot of questions. Are you going to pull down the rainy day fund? And the answer is yes, we will. We're just not going to do it in the next two months. Uh, I know that I have said... but we really do not want to tap into that fun yet. Uh, this rain um, is not a passing spring shower. Uh, it could be, we don't really know, but it could be a long, cold, lingering storm. Uh, and we should not use that rainy day funding until we have to. None of these decisions are easy and I do not make them lightly, uh, but they are.
0: Well, there you go. No, none of these decisions are easy, Um, and we'll talk a bit about, you know, what are the state and municipalities going to do, and also how does this affect you? Um, You know, you could say, well, you know, maybe again, you may be retired and not dependent upon a public or private pension um, or a, a job that's dependent upon a customer base and being able to be open and running, you know, full steam economy. Um, And, you know, you may be just fine. And to you, this may be the greatest stock buying opportunity of a lifetime. But for a lot of others, that's not the case. And you have to say, okay, how is this going to affect? Maybe you are planning on retiring in the next couple of years. Maybe you recently retired. Maybe you were planning a major purchase could have been a new home purchase could have been uh maybe you had a, a wedding a family wedding that you you know a child getting married that you were be planning on, on a big expense maybe it could be a new automobile anything you know the idea is am i still going to be able to do those things can i still retire in two years if that was your, where you were putting the stake in the ground and you know can i just ignore all these bad headlines okay um and that's what we're talking about. In other words, uh, you can ignore them. A lot of people are. You know, a lot of people still believe. You know, we've got a V V-shaped recovery that's right around the corner. Um, a lot of people don't believe that. So the the question is, you know, what are you doing to give you peace of mind that you can sleep at night? And you know, should you be running alternative financial models? Um, to, you know, give you that peace of mind saying, well, just what if this is a U-shaped recovery or a W-shaped recovery? So we'll talk a bit about that. Again, uh, this is Financial Food for Thought. And my name is Mark Donnelly, and Carrie, again, is out on um, having, enjoying a Mother's Day weekend as much as she can. I think Mother's Day is just going to be washed out. I-, I mean, DeWine's forecast is for rain. We heard that. Um, you know, thanks, China. Oh, I guess, you know, the mothers out there, I guess you could get your, you know, Mother's Day buffet to go. You know, do, you know, do the mimosas go with that? I, I don't know. But happy Mother's Day to everyone. Um, try to make it, you know, uh, festive. And we we'll are all in this together. So this is Financial Food for Thought, uh, brought to you by the estate planning team. The estate planning team has been helping Cleveland families, build custom financial plans for over 35 years. And we do it one plan, one family at a time. And, you know, you can find us on our website, financialfoodforthought.com. Just one string, Financial Food for Thought. Um, if you would like a free consultation, you know, we are now doing them, you know, in person or, you know, on the phone, your your preference. You can call our offices at 440 239 2090 that's four four zero two three nine twenty ninety, 2090 or just simply go to financialfoodforthought.com and you can uh, find all our information there or sign up for a consultation there as well all right so what else is going on um you know so so we have this issue where the numbers look terrible Although it wasn't a surprise with the jobs report. I mean, you know, because we we all got used to, you know, over the last seven weeks of not waiting around for the monthly jobs report, we were all zoned into the weekly jobless claims report, much more current data. And that's why the jobs report was really no surprise, um, because we saw the weekly jobless claims that add up to the jobless point. Now, same with the unemployment rate, you know, that tripled, you know, from the previous months, you know, 4.4 percent or whatever to to right now, 14.7 percent. Well, that's one out of seven workers in America. Um, it, you know, I think it's about one in five have filed for unemployment. Um, those are staggering depression like era numbers. But a lot of people say this isn't a depression because it's different this time because those jobs are not lost jobs. They're just furloughed jobs, meaning that those jobs are coming right back as soon as the uh, states open up again. You know, you heard Governor DeWine, you know, talking about the budget cuts that he's making. But that was part also, you know, he this week, he let us know when, you know, the plan for opening up the businesses. Um, and so, you know, and again, so you'll see those people, you know, it, it, hopefully it wasn't too long of a shutdown that a lot of these businesses, small businesses can open up again. Now, some of them aren't. We've already known. We've, we've seen the bankruptcies. Um, we, we've we've seen the the reports about the restaurants that aren't going to reopen. Um, and, and, and there's going to be a certain proportion of those. I mean, you know, at some people, you know, are saying that, uh, you know, if the small businesses can't get up and going and, you know, let's say it goes another three months before we're up and going or, you know, maybe six months or something like that, that 52% may fail. Um, you know, that, that's this big quandary, right? That, you know, which is the worst risk, the health risk. Of the COVID nineteen or the financial risk to uh, prevent more deaths from COVID nineteen, uh, that and and I don't know who's got that answer. Um, you know, everybody has an opinion, and you know we're going to have to live with the consequences that uh, our you know, our powers that be um, making the in, in, in make decisions in, the, in that department. Um, you know, other people say, you know, you know. Here's another headline: No one's safe until everybody's safe. You know, UN official warns of global boomerang of coronavirus. That's the idea of a, a second wave coming back. Um, you know, and 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 kind of going from there. Um, so, what else is going on? Well, Carrie's not here to play the earnings game. This is earnings seasons, um, so so she's not here. So you have to play along at home. So this is a game where I just, you know, throw out a company and and you try to guess whether did they beat earnings estimates, you know, the the street estimates or did they miss. Okay? And and, and this year uh or this quarter, I should say, Um, You could kind of uh, almost by the, you know, what the company does, you can kind of maybe guess whether they met earnings or missed earnings. So let's see who's up first here. CVS Health. Hmm. What do you think? How do you think CVS did in this latest quarter? Well, you're right. If you thought that they did very well, and yes, they blew the doors off earnings. You know, they they came in at a dollar ninety one per share. You know, where street projections were a dollar sixty three. Um, the revenue also beat. You know, revenue came in at sixty six point eight billion, slightly be- beating the street estimate of sixty four point one billion. Okay, how about Walt Disney? Now, a lot of people were wondering about Walt Disney because they're, you know, in all sorts of types of businesses Um, from, you know, obviously they are hurt with the tourist end of their business, including, obviously, the shutdown of the parks. Um, But what about their, you know, online stuff and and their streaming services and and their movie? Well, their profit uh, hmm, dipped down about 90 percent. In the second quarter dove down. Right. Um, The street was looking for 91 cents per share. Uh, They missed badly, coming in at 60 cents per share. Revenues came in uh, at 18.01 billion, you know, slightly missing the street estimates of 18.06 billion. Um, Shares were down about 2.2 percent. So, you know, you can, you know, so that one, again, that was one that people were trying to get a bellwether. You know, you know, is Walt Disney going to be OK? And, and that's going to those are some tough numbers to swallow. How about GM? It's another one. You know, uh, the, the auto industry. Um, how are they doing in this pandemic shutdown? Um, what do you think GM? Do you think they beat or missed? Well, surprisingly to a lot of people, they beat. Um, EPS came in at 62 cents per share, beating Street estimates of 30 cents. Um, their revenues came in at 32.7 billion, you know, beating uh, estimates of 31.1 billion. Um, now, so people are asking GM, how did you do it? Um, you know, because Ford didn't do as well, right? Um, and they basically said, well, you know, a couple of things. One, their pickup trucks are just selling off the shelves. All right, um, they can't sell enough of them they can't make enough of them um they're also saying you know the zero percent financing, which was you know dusted off and offered again is being is also very popular right now um interesting, they're going out longer you know i think uh you know they're talking you know eighty four months was that you know seven years um wow you know do you, were we were we financing automobiles for seven years thirty years ago? um I don't remember that um and and you could say, well, why Mark, why are the pickup trucks, you know, such a cash cow? And you know, basically, um, it's a, it's, a, it is, it's, it's, a, it's, so, it's, just so, it's, so, it's pure profit. In other words, the pickup truck is nothing new. <laughs> you know, they've been building them a long, long time. Um, it, you know, the the product design is done, right? The the engineering is done. The assembly lines are built. All they have to do basically right now is, you know, put a bunch of, you know, macho guy ads, you know, on the TV and, you know, where they're, you know, you know, the big, the big boys, you know, adult toys. Right. You know, you know, I want to be a cowboy thing and and then just roll them off the assembly line and American males are buying them up like hotcakes. And so it's a very profit, you know, very profit driven. So. So earnings again, kind of mixed, um, you know, with everything. But you know, it, it's but you can almost draw a line between, you know, the type of product or business that the company is in, and perhaps you know how they're doing on their earnings this quarter. Um, let's see, we got some tax briefs. Um, I think most people um, have have kind of kept up. With the tax law changes, but a lot we still get a lot of questions. You know, we were talking about the Secure Act. You know, that was the, the law that passed in December of last year, and that's the one you know that raised required minimum age from seventy and a half to seventy two. Um, and you know, it also had uh, you know some other you know changes we've been talking about. Um, but we also then had all the stimulus package. You know, with the uh, you know and in, 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 and of course the Cares Act one. All right. Um, which, you know, passed in, at the end of March. And that's the one that, you know, get, gave you your you know, you, you got your stimulus checks going. And, you know, and, and a lot of things we've been talking about that. Um, and we're and we're waiting to see what our Congress comes up with in a CARES Act, too. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, again, that's that's going to be a big debate. I think it's going to be a, a, a much harder you know, bipartisan, you know, debate solution, um, you know, the, the the first part of the, the stimulus was done pretty quickly. And the idea was just, hey, just let's throw money at the problem right now. I think this CARES Act 2, um, you know, may uh, be a little more time, especially because, you know, we had the terribly misrun or wrong, you know, with the the paycheck protection plan, you know, the PPE plan, you know, and that remember. And even, you know, there were such, you know, stories about abuse there, you know, from the big banks, you know, putting their biggest, you know, customers first to the now they're saying there were, you know, so many fraudulent claims filed, you know, from people who are, you know, giving bad numbers to try to get the, the grants. Um, and, you know, and then there's also issues about, well, the money, you know, once you got an approved uh, loan application from the Small Business Administration, uh, the banks or whoever you were working with were supposed to get the money in your hands within 20 days. Well, that 20 days really isn't holding up. So now we have issues there. Um, we actually have now wells Fargo actually admitted or you know disclosed that the government is looking into their you know uh, PPP uh dealings and you know I'm sure they they're not the only big bank that may be reviewed so that happened you know in between and I think you know that just adding to the uh, d- you know why I think it could be a longer debate before we get you know the CARES Act too. I think I think a lot of people are saying, you know we'll let can we wait at least to see how the opening up of the businesses again, you know which are going to take place? you know you know some have already started, um, a lot more will be started by the end of this month, um, and then probably more in June, and and maybe we won't lose the whole summer. You know, summer has mostly been canceled, Um, but, you know, maybe, you know, but I think a lot of people are saying you can't cancel the whole summer because financially we won't make it. Um, So we'll see. And I think a lot of people are I think a lot maybe a lot of Congress people were saying, well, let's see how things, you know, work. You know, let that money that, you know, has already been uh you know thrown at the problem let that work its way through the system for a couple of months let's see how the businesses how quickly we snap back how consumer confidence snaps back and things like that when we get the businesses back open again you know and uh, and we and you know how much revenge spending is i love that someone i heard that term revenge spending so that's the idea that you know americans we haven't spent any money because nothing, we have nowhere to go spend money on. So there's this feeling out there, or an idea that as soon as everything's open, we're just going to go out and spend like drunken sailors. I don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, the human behavior, behavioralistic, uh, behavioralistic aspects of this shutdown are unknown. It's never happened before. It'll be interesting to see. Um, but there has been some... Issues regarding um, some of the uh, law changes, um, one, you know, of course, is that, you know, part of the CARES Act was it was that required minimum distributions are forgone or, you know, forgiven or, you know, basically just you don't have to do it in 2020, um, whether it's an inherited IRA or your own IRA. Um, even if what you were, you know, you were... Uh, had to do an a RMD, a RMD, your first RMD, you were waiting till April 1st, you know, in the year, and then you were going to do another one by December 31st this year. So you had already done it by April 1st, which was, it, you know, you did it before, you know, the CARES Act was actually signed into law on March 26th or 27th or whenever it was. So even those people, um, you know, you know, there's some relief if you've already done it. Um, but there was a lot of, Clarification questions about well, what are these? If I did already take out my RMD before the law changed and says I didn't have to, what relief, you know, can I, you know, and the idea of I've got 60 days to roll it back. Now, remember, that's if it's your IRA. There isn't that 60 day rollover rule if it was an inherited IRA. Um, But, you know, but even back to your IRA, and then people are saying, well, when did that 60 days begin? Um, and I, when am I, I can only do one of those every 365 days, you know, so a lot of questions about that. So, you know, the IRS did have to, and the Treasury Department and the IRS had to come out with some clarification. And yes, and, and so this is, you know, kind of a recap. Um, and basically I'll just kind of read this. Um, you know, yes, you, you know, you, you can do a rollover, um, provided you return the funds to the IRA by July 15th and you don't violate the one rollover every 12 months rule. Normally, you have 60 days to do a tax-free rollover, but IRS extended the time period for rollovers otherwise due, here's the key dates, between April 1st and May 15th of this year to July 15th. So basically, let's say you did your April 1st required minimum on February 1st. So if you did it on February 1st, normally you would have 60 days. You would have had to have the rollover back in by April 1st. But what this clarification law from the IRS says, but we're counting those. So even if, if you were supposed to get the 60-day in by April 1st, you now still have now until July 15th. So just so effectively, you know, any RMD that was taken after February 1st, um, you know, and before May 15th, you know, you have until July 15th to roll it back in. So, you know, and I can't stress enough coordinated advisors. You know, the state planning team, we're big on coordinated advisors. And, you know, if you're going to do the rollover because or you think you want to do the rollover, make sure all, you know, you get the right parties talking to one another. Obviously, that's the IRA custodian. That could be the investment advisor. And that, you know, may or may not be the same person, in effect. You also want to make sure your your tax preparer, if you're using a professional tax preparer, that they're aware of what you're trying to do. Um, and, you know, your financial planner, if you're trying to decide, should I or shouldn't I? Um, you know, and, and again, that's don't ask your neighbor what they're doing, because they might not have the same circumstances. Um, now, on the stimulus checks, hopefully you've gotten yours. If not, chances are that's because you weren't set up you know, automatically to have, you know, money, you know, directly uh, electronically sent from the treasury to your bank account. So you're waiting for a check in the mail and they should be going out to you. Um, And, you know, but again, there's some confusion there because the idea was it was mostly based on, you know, what's happening in your 2020 year. It's like a cash refund or tax refund for your 2020 year. But because, you know, obviously no one knows what your actual tax is going to be, you know, they're using if your 2019 tax return is filed, um, they're using that as the wage adjusted gross income base to see if you qualify or not or if you have too much income to be disqualified. Or if the 2019 tax return isn't filed yet, they're going to rely on your 2018 tax return. Right. So that's leading to some issues. We've talked about them on this show. Remember, you can always go back and listen to our podcasts, and you can catch our podcast at the, you know, WHK 1420 um, radio station. And there you'll see a local podcast button or you can go to our website dot financialfoodforthought.com. And then we have a link to get to the podcast that takes you right to the radio stations um, podcast. And we've got a good backlog of those stored up there. Um. So we, so there's some questions about, we've already talked about on this show, where what happens if a deceased person, you know, uh, ends up getting a stimulus check? You know, what are they supposed to do? Or in this case, what are their family, what's their family supposed to do? And so we're trying to get clarification from that. You know, tentatively, you know, Treasury Mnuchin said, well, no, if the family gets a, uh, a stimulus check from somebody who died um, prior to, you know, 2020 or what have you, they should return it. But I don't know if that's the same case. What if it's a married couple situation and, you know, one of the spouses died, but the surviving spouse is still there. They may still be filing a joint return in the year of death. Let's say 2020, do they get it or not? You know, so, so do they have to return it? So there is, we're still looking for clarification on that, um, but you know there but what what has consistently come out of the you know the the interpretation of the cares act is that there really is no provision in the law require, requiring you to repay your rebate payment in the event your 2020 adjusted gross income is too high for most you know you know for the other reasons um See, and again, because if they're using your 2019 tax return or your 2018 tax return, you may qualify to get the full stimulus check. But actually, your 2020 income, what it ends up being made, would have should have disqualified you from getting it. All right. Um, You know, that's that seventy five thousand for single or one hundred and fifty thousand for married jointly. And then it phases out, Um, you know, if you're over that to, you know, you get up to where you don't get any stimulus check back. So the idea is, well, what if I qualified based on my 2018 or 2019 tax return, but I'm disqualified on my 2020 actual, do I have to give the money back? And right now, most interpretations are saying, no, you don't. Um, including, by the way, the the um, not only the $1,200 stimulus check or $2,400 for a married joint couple, um, but also that $500 per child, you know, you know, up to the age 16. So, you know, let's say your child turned 17 this year in 2020. But you got the extra $500 payment for them being a qualifying child based on his age in 2019. Okay. No, they're saying, again, you won't have to repay that when you file your 1040 next year. All right. Um, now, of course, there's been some other... Um, situations where people are wondering, hey, what do I do if I think I got too much stimulus check? This is one interesting case. I received my ex-husband's stimulus money because we filed a joint return in 2018. Hmm. Do I give this to him or wait for the Internal Revenue Service to take it back? Hmm. Well, isn't that an interesting question? Um, now I'm not going to comment on that. Um, you know, I think you know what the answer is, but I'll let you, if that's your situation, I'll let you work that out with one of, you know, your domestic relations counselor kind of go from there. Um, all right. So you're listening to financial food for thought. My name is Mark Donnelly. I'm the president of the estate planning team, and I'm trying to get through this on my own today. Hopefully Carrie Waddell is having a good Mother's Day weekend as much as we can in a coronavirus shutdown. Thanks, China, um, for making it a memorable Mother's Day, right? Um, we Another financial, it, it's interesting. Um, so what are some of the financial fallouts of the, you know, what our government did to try to, you know, keep everybody afloat um, in the shutdown, and you know, have you have you seen where interest rates have gone? Um, you know, we, it, it, you know, after the two thousand eight two thousand nine, um, you know, meltdown, the Great Recession, as referred to, we just stopped short of calling that one a depression, right? Um, the Great Recession, it took about 10 years, right, for the Federal Reserve to get interest rates back up. And yet it took them about 10 minutes in the COVID-19 recession to get them back down to zero. And I don't think there's a lot of push, you know, for either from, Congress or the White House or, you know, anyone else, for that matter, uh, to, you know, for the Fed to get the rates back up as soon as possible. As a matter of fact, you know, globally, there's this, you know, uh, the modern, you know, monetary theory, you know, the whole idea about, hey, printing money is OK. Um, you know, helicopter money is fine. Uh, you know, low negative interest rates are OK. OK. Um, you know, it's all, it all works, you know, there, there, you know, but there's a lot of, you know, a lot of old timers are saying, isn't that just a disaster waiting to happen? Isn't that just going to lead to hyperinflation? Well, then you're back to, well, with a 15 to 20% unemployment rate, how much inflation could there possibly be? Um, you know, and, and so, you know, it, it is a debate, but in the meantime, you know, if you were basing your investments because you were very low risk and you you had, a you know, and you were expecting a certain amount of rate of return on your fixed investments, you may have to, you know, run a new plan scenario based on a lower projection of what those positions may be, you know, yielding you over the next 10 years. Because, quite frankly, it may be 10 years before the Federal Reserve raised interest rates again, at least to the point where they were. Uh, I'm not saying there wouldn't be any increases, but you know how slowly they worked last time, right, Um, compared to how quickly they went right back down to zero. Um, So it could be, you know, now... Um, so, you know, I mean, for example, you know, right now the treasury is talking about floating, you know, 20 year treasury bonds, um, which is, you know, a pseudo, I mean, it's not 30, it's not 10, 20. Okay. So somewhere out there and, and they're thinking they may, you know, they may be at a one, one and a half percent rate for 20 years. Okay. Um, Apple, did you see, were you excited about, you know, Apple's recent—you know—they're—they're they're trying to raise some money, right? Just like a, you know, a lot of companies are. And why not when when rates are low, right? Um, so, did you see what they were offering? You know, so they were—they were trying to, you know, get you know, and they're, they're working with the big boys: Goldman Sachs, Bank of America, J.P. Morgan. Uh, you know, you've heard of all of them, right? Um, and so they were—they want to issue, they want to issue about eight and a half billion, or raise eight and a half billion. By the issuance of bonds, so in a, in a combination of three year, five year, ten year, and thirty year notes, All right? Um, so, what do you think Apple's willing to pay you for a three year note? Well, they want about 075 percent. Hmm. How about a five year note? Well, for five years, they'll they'll pay you one point one two five percent. Hmm. How about ten year? Now we're really talking big interest, okay? For 10 years, Apple, you want Apple's bond, they'll be paying you 1.65%. How about 30-year? Yes, Apple wants to float 30-year bonds. Do, do I hear 50? Um, but, you know, we're going to stop at 30. Okay, what do you think Apple is wants you to uh, accept for a 30-year bond? 2.65%. Okay, Um, so you can see, you know, well, if if that's the case, and they're successful, uh, I don't blame them for trying it. Why not? Um, Now you say, well, does does Apple need money? Well, that's another issue. Uh, That's you know, but I mean, what what do they say they they need the money for? Well, they said the proceeds would be used for general corporate purchases, including share buybacks, dividends, working capital acquisitions and to repay other debt. So they're refinancing and they want to keep paying their dividends. So now you're saying, well, gee, should I buy Apple bonds or should I buy Apple stock? That's a decision that you may want to discuss with your investment advisor. Remember, they say planning team. We don't manage client assets. That's not what we do. Quite frankly, the stock market bores me to tears Um, or, you know, or I pull my hair out trying to understand it. So no, we don't. You know, we're we're not investment advisors. You know, basically, we work with a lot our clients' investment advisors all the time, and and we ask good questions. As a matter of fact, if you don't know what questions you need to be asking your investment advisor, that's what we help on. You know, we want that three way conversation or that roundtable discussion. Maybe maybe when the you know when the shutdown is over, we'll get back to you know uh, roundtable discussions in the same conference room, hopefully uh, soon. But in the meantime, three-way phone calls work just fine. Um, but yeah, so the idea is coordinated effort and are you getting the best plan? So so what I, what I was saying before is, well, how would this then affect your own personal financial plan? Well, let's say that you built your plan and let's say you assumed, uh, let's say you your allocation on your investments was 60-40, you know, 60% growth. Um, 40% fixed, a very popular allocation for decades, right, for people going into retirement or close to retirement, right, 60-40, you know, often have you heard that? Oh, I want to be 60-40, very, very popular, right, 50-50, if you're a little bit more conservative, but let's go back to 60-40. So, you know, if you look at a recent, you know, 15-year, you know, rolling average of a 60-40 ending in 2019, things look pretty good. Now, remember, that 15 years has the Great Recession in it, all right? That'd be from 2005, let's say, to 2019. Okay, um, so let's use the S&P 500 index for the benchmark for our growth side, our 60%, and let's use the U.S. aggregate bond index for the 40% fixed side as a benchmark. Now, you can get much more fancy with your investment advisor about what your benchmark should be. As a matter of fact, if you don't know what I'm talking about, that's one of the questions you might want to be asking your investment advisor. You know, based on how you have me allocated today, what should the benchmark I be using to compare my results to? Right? I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm tired of people, you know, saying, well, what did the, I'm going to compare my results to the Dow Jones. Really? Are you 100% in 30 stocks? Because that's your apples, apples comparison. So, no, you've got to get more real. You know, we, we got to get, you know, what should your comparison benchmark be based on how your investment advisor, or if you did it at home on yourself, how you've allocated. So, I'm just, you know, for radio, I'm just doing a simplistic 60% in the SP. 40% in the U.S. aggregate bond index. So over that time period, that 15 years, okay, the S&P index did about 8.21 annualized. The bond index about 4.18%. Um, so overall, that's about a 6.6% return. and That includes the Great Depression. Or sorry, the Great Recession. All right, not too bad. How about a 50-50? same thing you know uh S&P 500 US aggregate balance. so in that same 15 year period what did the 50 50 allocation did it didn't do a lot it didn't do much worse it did 6.2% now those numbers you can build a nice retirement plan on but can you use those that rolling average for the next 10 years um i don't know because you know if you are seeing one you could say well the stocks might not return what they returned, um, you know, we we especially if we're in a low GDP world and we have a global, you know, a global depression. I heard the term thrown out this week, um, you know, for the, you know, how long is that going to be? So, you know, could you, can you really expect the stocks to return? Now, they're doing fine right now, and that's the million-dollar question, you know, why? Um, well, a lot of people believe it's just because of all the stimulus money, you know, that the bad news, the stock market has already, you know, looked at that and that's already baked in and the, and the belief that we will have a V-shaped recovery, that we will snap back, that these are furloughed jobs, not lost jobs. All right. Um, and the revenge spending will come like a storm. Um, now I hope that's the case. Um, now, but what if it's not? OK, so, you know, this is the idea of, you know, how, you know, maybe just for fun, you want to build an alternate, you know, plan scenario. Sometimes we call it plan R. Some, if you want to go real negative, you might want to call it a, a plan uh, COVID uh, depression, a CVD plan. Um, but the idea is, let's say you, you're, you think going forward, maybe the next five or 10 years, Maybe stocks. Let's say you're real. Let's say you're you're looking at a, a, a U or an L shaped recovery. You think, hey, stocks might only do four percent, and looking at these low interest rates, I'm only be looking at a one percent. So okay. So if you you know sixty percent of your money was earning four, and forty percent of your money is earning one, your net return is going to be about two point eight percent, a bit short of the six point six rolling fifteen year average. You might say, "Well, Mark, that's way too pe- uh, pessimistic." You know, you know, uh, you know. Really, I mean, g- get me off the gloom crew. You know, uh, you know, a little more optimistic than that. Okay, let's use five percent on the growth and one and a half percent on the fixed. Okay, now a sixty forty would get would yield you about three point six percent. Okay, still half of what maybe if you were using six or seven percent in your current plan. All right now what if you're a little bit more aggressive or, or a little bit more think we're going to be a, a snapper, of a, a quicker back? So you want to use 6% for stocks and 2% for fixed. Okay, now you're looking at about a 4.4%. Um, all right, so you can see how those ranges work. Let's do the 50-50 portfolio. Let's say you're a little bit more conservative, and you want to know, hey, am I still going to be okay uh, you know, I don't want to take on more risk than what I want to, than than what I need to be okay in retirement. So let's go back to the four percent on the stocks and one percent on the bonds, on a 50-50 portfolio. It's going to yield about two and a half percent. Okay, on a five percent equity, one and a half percent fixed bond. Okay, you're looking at about a three point two five annual rate of return. Now, what if you guys are a little bit more uh, optimistic? 6% on your growth side, 2% on your fixed side, you're coming back to 4% on a 50 50 allocation. All right. Um, so, you know, so you can see in those ranges anywhere from the low, what I just went over, about 2.5, to a high of about 4.4. Maybe three is in the middle. So, you know, now you can see how this brings us back to that discussion of the new 4% rule is 3%, all right? And so the idea is saying, okay, what if I, you know, would I, you know, how would I look at that? And how would I tell my robot, you know, or for fun, I'm gonna tell my robot, build an alternate scenario because I was using maybe you were using five percent net rate of return before, maybe you were using six, but now you're saying, huh, maybe I or I better run the same, you know, scenario and I'm gonna use three or four and under that scenario am I still gonna be okay? Um, actually, if you don't think that this uh, downside is done yet, if you believe we're not at our lows right now, and you think it's oh, we're in good, we're going to have a W shape, we're going to test the lows again in the markets, um, or you know you think that the worst is still to come, okay? Then you even want to go deeper in a in a, a more negative projection and, and tell the robot, hey, uh, for you know, I'm going to assume you know maybe I'm going to assume. Um, you know, maybe you know, maybe I'm going to assume zero percent for the remainder of this year. Then I think there's going to be another 10 percent drop next year. Then, then the this thing will be over after the W shape. Now we're in recovery. Then the next year I'm going to go zero. The next year maybe two percent, and then maybe the following year we're back to three or four. You know, you know, and then and see what that does to your long-run plan. So these are what we are running for our clients at the estate planning team. We're saying, okay, let's just look because what you want to know is, am I still going to be okay in that scenario? All right. So if this is something that you may be interested in doing and you would like help with building a financial model, you know, based on different scenarios, um, you can, you know, come in for a free consultation. Um, we are doing them face-to-face now or by phone. It's your preference. All you need to do is call the office at 440-239-2090. There's no one there over the weekend, but just leave a message. And then Carrie will probably get a hold of you early Monday morning or at a time you say to you'd like to get called back. Or you also go to our website, financialfoodforthought.com. You can catch all the previous podcasts. We've got lots of articles about the tax law changes on there. You can sign up for our newsletter. Um, there's calculators on there, all that good stuff. Um, so there's a couple of ways you can get a hold of us at the estate planning team. And, you know, part of the idea that, you know, I listening to Governor DeWine in the beginning, you know, with the budget cuts and and, and, and you know, it's just not Ohio who's running into financial trouble. This is going to be a state and municipality issue all over the country. And, you know, they can only do so many things. In other words, what, you know, what can they do when you have these budget shortfalls like DeWine was talking about? Well, you can cut spending, you know, that's something you can do. Um, you can drain your rainy day fund or your reserve fund, you know, or you could raise taxes, I guess. You know, the states, you know, can have the power to raise taxes. Um, Or maybe they can borrow from the federal government. Um, You know, the CARES Act, you know, that allowed for that. You know, Nancy Pelosi, what she's talking about in CARES Act 2, she wants a trillion dollars from the federal government, you know, coffers to go to help bail out the state and local, you know, the state and municipalities. Um, Now, I think trillion is just a number th- she threw out. I really don't think that's the number she's expecting to get. Um, other experts think even if she could get 350 to $400 billion for the state and locals, that would certainly uh, maybe make the problem go away. If, again, we can get the, the, the businesses up and going again so there's some revenue being driven to the, to the states in terms of gasoline taxes and sales taxes and business taxes. All right. Um, and, you know, hopefully we can get a, 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 an effective treatment or a vaccine that will give, you know, even more confidence for uh, Americans to go out and support, you know, the small businesses, um, you know, especially if they think now their furlough jobs are the are just that they're going back to work. They're not going to be permanently laid off. I matter mean, of fact, California has already you know borrowed money from the federal government to make their unemployment payments you know so but we can we can also you know say, well, that may be some of those things. what can we do those too on our personal financial planning um, now, budget cuts, yeah, you could cut your discretionary spending okay that 's something you can do. Um, what about your rainy day fund? You know, we, we've talked on this show for years about, you know, what you can protect your family from an economic downturn, you know, is having a cash reserve. So, you know, and, you know, and, and but, but like Governor DeWine, don't necessarily go there first because what you think you may need today is really not what you might really need a year from now if things don't go well, if we don't snap back in a V-shaped recovery. So, you know, you, you know, be, you know, but, you, you know, hopefully you've got your own rainy day fund if things get really bad. Now, remember, a lot of people say, well, Mark, my job is safe. Well, your job may be safe, but if, if your company's customers aren't safe, how safe is your company? See, you know, it's the ancillary effect, right? Um well, tax increases. Well, no, you have to turn that around, I guess. Um, so what you need to be looking for and what we help our clients at the state planning team is, are you taking advantage of the tax opportunities that are available, you know, you know, with the you know, with some of the law changes and things like that? Um, you know, so. So, yeah. So, you know, and, and let's say you didn't plan for an economic downturn. Let's say you you missed that, right? And and okay, so what do you know? Well, yeah, you know, three simple things that we keep saying, you know, say no to selling low. You know, try to not panic and sell your stocks low. You know, you know, are there other things you can do? Preserve your cash reserve. Um, you know, don't maybe you do have to cut discretionary spending if it means that you have to wipe out your cash reserve. You know, or maybe you should look at financing, refinancing or setting up home equity lines of credits or reverse mortgages or some other ways that, you know, you don't, you know, that as opposed to saying, I'm just going to drain my cash reserve because I think I've got I've got to buy that car right now. But what happens if things get worse economically a year from now? OK, uh, utilize unutilized assets. Let me say that again. Utilize underutilized assets we we started talking about this on last week's show um and if you can go back and listen to that podcast and or you know we'll be talking about that in upcoming shows as well so these are things that we're helping our clients with you know hopefully you you know you you did the things in the, in the beginning to protect from an economic downturn before it happened, but let's say you didn't, you still have to be active and say, okay, what should or shouldn't I be doing right now? And this is where being active and coordinating advisors comes important. And, and 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 a lot of people out there are saying, I'm not going to wait around for the government to solve all my issues, um, you know. And you know, and there's a lot of wealthy people. Um, who who are trying to work on this thing, and maybe we shouldn't wait around for the government. Maybe we need to get together and and get the you know because these politicians can't agree on anything. You know, sometimes you think that they're, all they're concerned about is their own power. You know, and 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 they don't care anything about us. Um, you know, so that's something. So. Okay. Left. Did you hear this? When talking about wealthy, important people, For some reason, as your wife points out. They will not close down these wet markets that got us into this trouble in the first place. It's mind-boggling, right? Yeah, I know. And it wouldn't be so
1: bad if this was the only thing that it seems like you could blame on, on those uh, wet markets. It seems like, you know, SARS and avian flu and all sorts of other stuff that's afflicted us. Um, and so, I don't know. I, I really hope that this will mean that the Chinese government, like who you say, they've got power. It's not like they're they're powerless, you know. Um, Let's hope that they will say, okay, guys, we've really got to get super hygienic around here, you know. Uh, And all those kind of things, I mean, let's face it, come on, it's a little bit medieval eating bats. Have you stopped eating bats, Paul?
0: Yeah, but Ozzy hasn't. <laughs> you know, Aussie, Aussie was the originator of all of that. <laughs>
1: hey, you know... Can't it, on Aussie. Well, I mean...
0: It, you know, I think Howard Stern, Paul McCartney, and maybe, you know, Dr. Fosse are the only ones who still believe in, you know, the bad bat soup, you know, cause. Um. Well, I guess the WHO organization still does. And I guess maybe 1.4 billion Chinese still do. But, I mean, for the rest of us... D- Are we really, you know, who should be held responsible? And, you know, again, is it time for a, you know, make it again in America campaign? Um, And, you know, China boycott. In in other words, do we really, you know, maybe this is a heads up and saying maybe we should make things back in this country and be, you know, and, and not get into this position again. Now, I hopefully, you know, like I said, there's other people out there who are saying, you know, I'm not going to wait around for the governments to figure this out, you know, and and there's groups out there and and they're getting smart people together, um, biologists and, you know, specialists and saying, let's get some, let's work on this. We'll use our own money. We'll get some good ideas, brainstorming, and then we'll get that to the government and if they and see if we can get them to listen. All right.